So Romans chapter 1, we've, uh, we made it all the way through to verse 15 last time, and so uh, and now I'm sounding too loud or something, I think, or maybe that's just the uh, speakers here. But we got to verse 15, it says, so as much in, as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And so uh, we finished up there. The very next verse is, of course, the most, one of the most famous verses out of, out of the book of Romans, but we're going to just begin to break them down, talk about it. And we're going to read through probably, oh, just about verse 20, I think. But it's uh, for, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Father, I pray that you bless here tonight, Holy Spirit of God, guide my mind, my thoughts. There's a lot been going on uh, in the church, around the church, all the, the remodeling, all the work, all the things that are going on, and, and then, Lord, concerns about those with uh, health problems and needs. And Dear God, I pray that right now that you settle all of our minds, settle my mind, and Holy Spirit, I, I yield myself to Thee and ask You to fill me, my eyes, my ears, my nose, my mouth, my tongue, every portion of me, that what I say would be a help and a blessing to somebody and it would be what You would have me to say. So I'm asking You now to speak through us. Build a mighty hedge of protection around this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. He said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. What he's basically this as we break these verses down, he says, under, he says, I understand that I choose not to be ashamed. He just said, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not going to be embarrassed to preach the gospel of Christ to everyone, to anyone, uh, wherever I come in contact. Uh, both these churches and in colleges that are represented here, uh, you know, I know a little bit about a little bit about them both. I think that's what they're trying to produce with these young men. And I thank God that the young men would stop for church tonight as they're traveling up to Kentucky. And again, kind of what I was speaking about just a few moments ago, you never know what night, what place, what time that God's just going to say, bam, this is it. This is what I want you to do. This is a, a, a you know, a, what they call an epiphany. I mean, it's just, it's just that moment in life where something has changed. And and, but they're also, you know, they teach them to you know, not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I kind of preached about that Sunday night, how important it is that we share the gospel, how important it is that we carry a track. And, and I, it's amazing how many of these stinking tracks that I've ruined in Memphis. You know why? You sweat like an animal around here. And I go reach for my track and it's all wilted. I think, man, I spent good money for that thing, and it's all coming. Especially, I got my picture on; it's making me look bad. So, but um, so I'm up there. You know, it's just we need to. We got to choose not to be ashamed. But I think there's more there, though. Why is this? It, it, why is it so important that we're not ashamed? Well, because it's the power of God that we're talking about. 
the power of God unto salvation. How can I be ashamed when I know if I believe the word of God and I believe in God Almighty that, that he will never fail? What he said is always true. There's nothing, watch this now, there's nothing for me to be ashamed of. There will never be anything to be ashamed of. Shame, listen, shame comes primarily when what someone says is not fulfilled. When they cannot be trusted, when their promise is not kept, or, and then they, we or they who have trusted in them are ashamed that we trusted in them. We're embarrassed that we trusted in them. We're embarrassed that we believe them. And look, we, don't, we can never say that about God Almighty. We can never say that about Jesus Christ. God's word never fails. It is the power of God. It has always been the power of God. It will always be the power of God. I want you to just, I know we're in Romans, but turn just real quickly over to Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. I want to show you what I think is a very similar scripture and kind of maybe explains it even a little bit better what I'm trying to express. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. Let me get a drink of water here tonight. And this may be a, a, a throw the jacket away tonight. But before I do that, I've got to take the microphone out of the jacket pocket. So, because um, I'm about to burn up. And I don't know if it's just me or if it's everybody else or... Here we go. All right. Look at Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. It says, for the Lord God will help me. Now, that's a definitive statement. The Lord God will help me. Hey, look what he says there. Therefore shall I not be confounded. He says, I'm not going to be confused about this. And you have to understand, we're not going to all that he's going through and all the, 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 the hardship that he's going through. But he said, I know the Lord God's going to help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. I'm not going to be confused about this thing. I'm not going to be befuddled about this thing. Therefore, watch this now, since I'm not confused about who I'm believing in, therefore have I set my face like a flint... You see, and watch this, the very next phrase here, it says, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. You know, look, when you set, I know this is not the, the primary uh, meaning behind the scripture, but, but when you set, we, as we, by this example, set our face like a flint to serve God, to give the gospel, to do what's right. When we set our face like a flint, you say, What's going to happen? Can I tell you one thing that will not happen? You'll never have a reason to be ashamed. Nobody will be able to look at you and say, well, what you told me was wrong. Nobody will ever be able to look at you. Hey, there'll never be a person that stands before the judgment seat of Christ and says, uh, uh, I, you know, all that you said wasn't true. They won't stand before the white throne judgment and be able to say that what you said was not true. If you give them the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's true. God's word, God's promises, God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, will never give us a reason to be ashamed. Now, I'm, I'm, I have to admit, I may do something one day in my life that will cause you shame. A parent may do something with a child. A child may do something where you think, oh, I can't believe they did that. I'm a little ashamed. Jesus has never, will never do that. We have no right to be ashamed. There's no reason to be ashamed. 
The Jew first, and of course we're going to move on with this. We just go back to, to Romans now. We're going just to, to the end of that little verse. It says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's not priority-wise. That's not what it's saying. What, it, what it's saying is, is that it came to the Jew first. It came to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, truthfully, Romans will teach us as we go through it that uh, the Word of God was delivered to the, to the Jews, but they did not appreciate it. They did not protect it. They did not uh, preserve it. They didn't do that in the way that they should. They didn't you know, propagate it the way they should have. And God put it to the Greek. And pretty much that just means any non, non-Jew effectively. But God says we have the responsibility and obligation of debt to all men to tell them the gospel of Christ. We, not can, we cannot change them, but the gospel can. It's the power to save. I kind of like it like this, and I've told some like uh, it before this way. We simply carry the, the our, my responsibility is to carry the stick of dynamite. My responsibility is to light the stick of dynamite, but the power is in the dynamite. Okay, so I, it's my responsibility to come and to speak the word of God and to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, the power is not in my words. The power is in God's word. We simply are responsible to do this. There's a fellow named Earl Wilson. I don't even know who he is, but I'm giving him credit for it. He says, today there are three kinds of people, the haves, the have-nots, and the have-not paid for what they haves. <laughs> the haves, the have-nots, and the have-not paid for what they haves. Well, I have not, you know, I'm one of those have-not paid for what I have. You know, the truth is, I have not fully paid for what I have, I can't. And I owe a debt to all men until the day I enter heaven. I cannot and should not be ashamed. I cannot and should not ever stop giving out the gospel. Now, I'll never pay off for what I've gotten, but, but the fact is, is I still owe the debt. Verse 17. Verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. I've uh, been contacted by... Brother Westmoreland over here, and he's asked me to this fall to teach a, a class. I'll be teaching a class on Thursday mornings over at the college and, um, that they have here. And as he was going through uh, different things, he said, you know, about teaching. He's, and, and it's amazing, but he just said, he said, you know, I've heard you speak on faith. Would you do a course on living by faith? I told him, I said, you know what? I don't have a word down. I don't have anything. I don't have a curriculum, but I'd love to do that. Yeah, well, at least I will until I got to start doing it. But, uh, but, uh, but the fact is, is that it's, it's a very, very important thing, this thing of faith. God, who always does that which is right, says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. God who always does that which is right, God who embodies and is righteousness and is wholly righteous, is revealed by and through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God to us who are sinners. Romans chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, if you want, you know, we're kind of jumping way ahead and we'll go back to it again when we go get to that portion. It says this, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Notice what it says now. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. 
We, we have the righteousness of Christ through faith. And then notice what else it says. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. And we'll, again, this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about imputation later on. It's a doctrine in the book of Romans, but we'll talk about that. But it just this passage, this verse is saying, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of Christ is placed upon us by faith in Christ through the gospel. There are differing views on this phrase from faith to faith, but I tend to believe that it's, that it's not to be uh, read from, well, it, the reading of it is right. Let me just give the emphasis of it is what I'm trying to say. I'm not going to change the, the writing of the Bible. Uh, the emphasis, it says read from faith to faith. I think it's like this. It's from faith to faith. You see, I believe... From faith, it's faith that comes by the faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I get saved. Now I live, it's to faith. Now I'm going to continue to live in faith. And I believe that's what God is saying, it's from faith to faith. I, I receive from the faith in Jesus Christ from that moment, now to faith. Now as I journey through life, I live in the faith of Christ. And so... By this, I believe it means from saving faith where righteousness is revealed and imputed to us to living faith that we must walk in day by day. This is why it concludes uh, that the just or the justified, the ones who have had the gospel declared to them in power by faith, receive the gospel, not, uh, not just receive the gospel, but now they must live by faith. Only the justified can truly live by faith. If you look at, again, the verse, it says, but uh, let's see. I'm sorry. I'm getting kind of, this must be a rough nightmare. I can't find my verse. Where'd it go? Oh, there it is. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And we, we see that, that little phrase, the just shall live by faith, and we, and we believe from Old Testament, okay, God's just making a statement that you ought to live by faith. But I think it go, the whole verse is connected in the sense that it's, for there it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith, saving faith, to living faith, and now he's going to reiterate it. He's going to make it clear what he really means here. He's saying, okay, you've been justified, that's from faith. You've been justified through faith. He said, now the just or the justified or the saved must live by faith. Does that make sense to everybody? I'm not, you know, sometimes I just get so confused in my brain. I don't know if I'm confusing you or if it's just confusing me. But I do that. And I've been over this, this lesson about nine times today, and now I read it and I think, what stupid person wrote that? Because I can't read it. It doesn't make sense. I'm like, nah. Now, all right. I don't remember where I was now. It's a rough night. By this, I believe it means from saving faith, where righteousness is revealed, imputed to us, living faith, that we must live by day by day. And that's what God's really emphasizing in that scripture, the just shall live by faith. So verse 18, verse 18. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, this is where we're starting to see the decline and really the, the picture of the decline of our nation, of the world, really. Uh, this is where it's going to begin here. But I want you to notice this key ver- the word here, the word revealed. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And what men? Ignorant men out in Africa that have never heard? People over in China that the gospel's been hid from them? No, it's, it's those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Righteousness will be revealed or wrath will be revealed. Right now, I believe in our nation, we're seeing wrath revealed. And I believe it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to continue to happen because it's just, I'm not seeing revival in this nation. Are people still getting saved? Yes, they do. Last week, we still had people saved. This week, we've had people saved. There's people getting saved along the way. Uh, God's, the gospel is still powerful, but, but people are rejecting the truth. We really are. It's just the righteousness will be revealed or wrath will be revealed. There's no middle ground. And that's what a lot about Christianity today, somehow we think there's middle ground. That we get saved and then we live like the world and it's, it's going to be okay. No, God says you're holding the truth. Even if you're saved, you're holding the truth in unrighteousness. So God will reveal his wrath against all ungodliness and unrighteousness if we have not faith and have not had righteousness of God revealed to us, then we stand in judgment of God for the righteousness is available to all. But some choose to hold the truth captive in unrighteousness. Unrighteousness holds righteousness captive until faith enters in, for faith will break you free from the bond of unrighteousness. And God's, God's just saying that there's a judgment that is coming for the wrath of God. And notice what it says. Uh, again, in this generation, people don't want to talk about the wrath of God, but God's, the Word of God says God has wrath. And he has, He's going to have wrath on nations like ours, cities like ours, that hold the truth in unrighteousness. Unrighteousness holds righteousness captive. I know many will say, but what if someone never heard? You know, what's, what's going to happen to these people that have never heard the gospel? Well, first of all, let's deal with the people who have. That's us. Okay? And if we have the truth and we hold the truth, we, we possess the truth and we possess it in unrighteousness, God says the wrath of God is coming. It's coming upon you because you have the truth. And you say, well, you know, well, what about, there's a lot of people have just never heard. Well, we're going to get to that. But the fact is, is that God, before he ever gets to that and really explains it, he's talking to us who have heard. The problem in America is not that we haven't heard. The problem is that we haven't yielded to it. That we haven't humbled ourselves before the mighty hand of God and before the truth of the word of God. We have the truth. I've been preaching about this, kind of been the theme for a little while. But the truth, we have the truth in the word of God. Are we going to live it? Are we going to obey it? Are we going to look at it and say, God is right and I am wrong? 
I sometimes want to just get everybody just to repeat it back with me. Because see if we can actually say it. God is right and I'm wrong. How about it? You say, is God always right? Yes. Are you always wrong? Yes. No. Uh, No, we're not always wrong. When we agree with God, we're right too. We hold the, the righteousness of God. We hold it captive because we know it. We're not ignorant of it. We have it. But what are we doing with it? We've got a stranglehold on it. Now, but of course you always have the people, and there's those people out there, and you know, my time's about to run out, but you say, we always have those people out there that'll say, uh, but what about the people that have never heard? And, and I've been hearing it all of my Christian life. Thankfully, I had a preacher that taught me about this a long, long time ago. But the, but the fact was, he really, this sad statement, he really shouldn't have had to because it was in the Word of God all along. Verse 19 deals with this very issue. It says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. That which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the, listen to this, for the invisible things of him from the creation of world of the world are clearly seen. That's an amazing statement. The invisible things are clearly seen. Being understood, how can we see them? Well, if they're invisible, we're not seeing them necessarily uh, with our eyes, seeing them and saying, okay, I see God. Uh, because, you know, the truth is, uh, right now there's a spiritual warfare going on. We don't have the eyes to see it. You see all through the, the Bible, especially in Old Testament, where there's illustrations where, where the uh, servants or, or, or uh, prophets were saw the angels and, and that, that type of thing. And there's illustration, especially often with missionaries that will... Well, some of the stories are incredible, and if you've been to the mission field, you start to understand that they're not just stories. They really, they really do experience these things, and they see these things. But, but they're invisible. The creation of God, though, is, is here. The creation of the world, it says, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Watch this. Being understood by the things that are made. So what he's saying is God's saying that nobody has an excuse to not to believe in God because the creation itself shows us, manifests to us the power of God. Creation itself, whether in your, look, and, and it's even better. You get, you get to Africa and go to the villages like I've been, and you go there to that village, and, and, and people in there, some have never heard the gospel. They, in this village, they're, they're still sacrificing to animals. They got their altar there, and they're still doing blood sacrifice, and, and they don't understand the gospel. You say, well, these poor people have never heard. It's not true. God has already revealed to them, because can I tell you, The creation above them is more visible there than it is here. The creation around them is more visible there than it is here. 
And even in the stars, and we're not going to go into it, but in the stars and constellations, they're not the horoscope, folks. They tell the story of Jesus Christ. If you really sometimes study what they really are and what God has put into the sky, he's put all of creation and salvation into God's creation. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. That's a pretty tough statement. God says, even though inside of us we want to give them excuse and we want to say well they never knew and they never heard and so uh you know but god says no there's nobody that's ever lived on this planet that saw my creation that will stand before me and say i didn't know there was a god i I just didn't i didn't see it god says you don't have any excuse you know You know, people in law, they say the ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, the ignorance of God's creation is no excuse because he created it. It's about time to, but I want to give you this illustration. And I apologize. I I have uh, been struggling a little bit to, to sleep and rest. And I don't know, I'm just a little confused in my mind here tonight. A little bit of a rough night, but... But this is illustration might, might help you. I was driving down, probably it was 1982. I was coming back down from Indiana. And uh, so in 1982, how old would Brooke be? She was like three years old, maybe two and a half, our oldest daughter. And I'm not sure why it was just me and Brooke driving. I think Joe Beth was already down here with, the, with uh, I guess at that time, Ashley, maybe Heather was born. But we were driving, driving down here, and it was just me and Brooke, and, and she had been beside me all night long. I'd driven through the night, which is something I almost always did to have my maximum time down here in Tennessee, you know, so. But we were driving down, came down through, you know, Illinois and then Missouri and, and down through Arkansas, and we came to the bridge over here, the, the new bridge. And as we were coming across, just getting ready to come up onto the bridge, the sun started to peak up. And as the sun was peeking up over the horizon, the, the colors in the skies were incredible. There was a few clouds, and, but just it was just shooting colors everywhere. And I was sitting there looking at it. Brooke was laying over against me, and I thought she'd been asleep, been asleep for quite a while. And as I started up over that bridge, that little tiny voice said, Daddy... Isn't it pretty? And I said, yeah, baby, it is. It's beautiful. And we kept driving, and then this little voice, two and a half years old, three years old, said, Daddy, somebody must have made that. Somebody must have made that. You know, if a two and a half, three-year-old kid can look at the creation in the sky and the beauty, and inside their heart, God put into their heart, I did that. That didn't just happen. You didn't just, everything exploded and came together, which is really a weird concept. And, but yet, in that heart, in that little girl, 
She looked and said, somebody must have made that. You know what? God put that same thing in the heart of every human being that's ever been born. They have to come to a point where they reject God. They reject God's creation. They reject God's righteousness. They come to that point. And so even there in Africa where they're worshiping that idol, they've rejected the God of creation and chosen to worship a dog or a chicken or some animal or some stones that have been piled up. They've chosen to reject God. And honestly, no, maybe nobody's ever given them the gospel, but this was what was taught to me, and I, I believe it today. God's obligated to give you more light when you receive the light that you've been given. And when you say yes to what you've been given, he'll give you more. He'll give you more. And I believe that. I really believe that. And I've heard story after story after people, like peoples who want to know the truth and somehow lands in places nobody could reach, they are reached. And I'll always remember, I, I ended up writing a song about it. And, but it, it's just a very, very important thing. I, I wrote this song, if I can even remember the, the initial lines to it, but I said, every raindrop that falls, every, uh, I say every raindrop that falls, every day the sun shines, every tree growing tall, every grape on the vine. Sends a light to the world every eye can see, saying Jesus is alive, over death there's victory. And that's really the truth. You look at the creation of God. He said, you're without excuse. You know somebody must have made that. Well, I appreciate your patience tonight. Again, I appreciate you, you being here with us. We've had our...